1: What is up and welcome to another edition of Chair Shot Radio. My name is Greg DeMarco. I am recording this late on Monday night, technically Tuesday morning. I won't bore you with too many of the opening show details cuz we've got a fun fun show. I have got a fun fun show for you today. It's a Tuesday edition of Chair Shot Radio. I am your host Greg DeMarco at Chair Shot Greg on all of your forms of social media. That's Facebook, that's the Twitter and that's Instagram. All different things on all the channels, so go follow on all three. You'll be glad you did. Uh, of course, this show, Chair Shot Radio, is part of the Chair Shot Radio Network, which you can find over at thechairshot.com. Follow at Chairshot Media for that. You can also um, follow these shows on your favorite uh, podcasting platform, like iTunes, Or, Apple Podcasts, whatever your your device says, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, even YouTube, and so many more. Go on over there, like, subscribe, and leave us a five star review, and tell a friend about the shows. You can enjoy them that way, of course. We do this seven days a week Chair Shot Radio. I am Tuesday and Wednesday. On Thursday, you've got Darren Mags Kirkby, along with Ray Cash. Friday's PC Tunney. Saturday, Christopher Platt and Andrew Belaz. Sunday, David Ungar and Patrick O'Dowd, Monday is PC Tunney and right back around to me on Tuesday. Sometimes Tunney and myself will rope in other people uh, to get involved as well. And sometimes we'll go old school and bring back something uh, from, from prior years And that's what I've done here today, which you'll experience in a moment. Real quick, want to remind you to head on over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash a chair shot. Pick up your very own chair shot t-shirt that supports everything that we do here and and keeps us rolling and giving you all this great content. And so go on over there and do that again. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash a chair shot. Old school designs, new designs, personalities, and so many more um, available for you over there. So check it out. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot. Again, it's ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot. Now, you guys have heard time and time again in the past where I have been nothing but a huge fan of the man named Adam Cole. Now, as being a podcaster for damn near 10 years, along with Patrick O'Dowd, we've been fortunate enough to do things like interview stars like Adam Cole. And today's show is about that. It's about the interview with Adam Cole. And this is our second interview we ever did with Adam Cole. And I believe we did three. So I think there's one more after this one where he was the Ring of Honor World Champion. When we did this interview, it was in 2013. He was the Ring of Honor World Television Champion and the Pro Wrestling Gorilla World Champion. And just a lot of fun that we were able to talk to him and, and learn Uh, about his career and where he was and just a great great interview with him now this is back when we used blog talk radio and so basically what you're listening to is is a conference call and not the greatest quality in the world now i utilized our 2021 technology to try to spurs that up a little bit and make it sound as good as possible so uh so it sounds as good as it can it's still a blog talk radio crap fest in terms of audio quality but better than it should be and it's still adam cole and obviously, as you know, there's nothing better than that. So sit back, listen, enjoy the ride. Here it is, our interview from 2013 with Adam Cole, baby.
2: It is time to bring on our guest? It's time! You like that right there? Just ad-libbed a whole new use of the It's Time soundbite. So I think we might stick okay. with that. What do you think? Hey, it works yes? for me. We'll, we'll... Works for me, too, and that's really what matters. So we have a great guest on the program. He he was on the show about a year ago, and we're super excited to bring him back. Uh, He's the current Ring of Honor World Television Champion as well as the current Pro Wrestling Guerrilla World Champion, and that is none other than Adam Cole. Adam, welcome back, and thank you so much for rejoining the Greg DeMarco Show.
3: Oh, thank you guys very much for having me on again. I'm excited to be on the program once again.
2: Yeah, we're excited to have you back and, and, and excited to talk about some stuff because a lot has happened. And we had you on right around a year ago, uh before the before the ten year anniversary show for Ring of Honor, and you've had a hell of a, a hell of a twelve months since then. How would you describe the past twelve months that you've had?
3: Uh yeah, to me, man, the past twelve months have just been surreal. Um you, you know, uh twenty twelve for me is you know, no doubt been probably my biggest year in pro wrestling. Uh just with uh The multiple things that have happened, whether it be in Ring of Honor or Pro Wrestling Guerrilla or anywhere across the independents or even overseas, Uh, you know, things have been so surreal for me. Things are moving very fast. Uh, But this is something I'm prepared for and something that I've always, uh, you know, dreamed of, Uh, you know, even though it sounds cliche, something that I've always wanted in pro wrestling. So I'm certainly thankful and certainly happy for the opportunities that are coming with 2012 and, you know, trying to take that momentum into 2013 and making that even bigger.
2: Yeah, you know, and, and I've been quoted personally as saying that 2013 could be a breakout year for you, and I know I'm not alone, but uh are those of us saying that 2013 can be a breakout year for you, are we late on that, or are we, are we really, you know, should, should we actually be recognizing 2012 as that, in your own personal opinion?
3: No, actually, I think your mindset is great, um, because I think if I were to label this year, 2012, as my breakout year, I think in some cases that solidifies the fact that I have indeed felt that I've reached my peak or I've, I've got to a certain point where I feel like I've excelled to a certain point where, uh, you know, maybe there's uh, no much more that I can do or maybe for this time being this is where I'm supposed to kind of cap off at, if that makes sense. And uh, that's certainly not how I feel. Um, you know, I certainly feel like 2013 could, you know, be an even bigger year for me. So I'm actually with you guys. I'm, I'm looking to make uh, 2013 actually a year where people go, oh, wow, this is really where he broke through the glass ceiling or this is where he really had a breakout year. Um, so as good as 2012 was for me, like I said, don't get me wrong, it was fantastic. I'm certainly looking to make this next year coming up even bigger. So I'm I'm in complete agreement with you guys.
4: That's the right mentality to have, man. But we're going to talk a little bit about this uh, this past year. Uh, Back before you won either of the titles that you hold now, uh, you had a a pretty a a now-famous match with Kyle O'Reilly where you were busted open pretty good. Uh, No one wants to go through that. No one wishes that on anyone. But would would you say that that match was a blessing in disguise and and that busting open was a blessing in disguise?
3: Oh, God, 100%. You know, it was exactly what you said. As far as as a blessing in disguise, I think 100%. As a matter of fact, I think that was the catalyst uh, for my breakout year in 2012. Um, because to be honest, to go a little bit further actually, uh, that hybrid fighting rules match was uh, a match that the internet fans particularly were not necessarily looking forward to uh, just because I think at that point the Ring of Honor fans were just kind of sick of that MMA style of pro wrestling and here, me and Kyle O'Reilly were starting off our feud with a uh, very MMA style based match, Um, so even though the New York fans gave us the benefit of the doubt like you know when we entered the ring and they appreciated us as talents. I don't think they were necessarily excited for the actual matchup Uh until, you know, that inevitable moment where Kyle O'Reilly just straight punched me right in the mouth and uh, blood was spewing everywhere. That was one of those rare moments where you create, like, real raw emotion. Um, you know, I, I've said this before, and this is completely the truth. Like, even the case where that doctor came down to ringside to check on me, that was the exact same doctor doctor that ended up stitching me up And he legitimately came out to potentially stop the match. And I really looked him in the face and said, there's no way that you're stopping this thing. And I think the New York fans knew that what was going on was very raw and uh, very emotional. I think that was what in turn created that just unforgettable moment that if me and Kyle tried to recreate that, it would just be impossible. Um, So for me, yeah, that, that will always be very special to me. As a matter of fact, that's probably the standalone match and the standalone moment for me when I got that busted open. I think too, not to, you know, dig to it uh dig into it even further, but I think at that point the Ring of Honor fans, uh, you know, as far as appealing to that eighteen to thirty four male demographic, I don't think they looked at Adam Cole as necessarily a tough cookie. Uh so for me to go through a match like that and continue to fight and continue to wrestle through it all, I think that showed that male fan base that um if you know, put in a situation like that that I can go. So I think that was so needed for me as far as really creating um Kind of a kind of a fan base like that I that I have now in Ring of Honor as far as that match that was uh, was concerned.
4: Now, now you described it, and we described it as you were quote busted open pretty good. What exactly was the extent of your injuries from that match?
3: Yeah, actually, it, uh, the visual was much worse than the actual injury that was sustained. Um, I had about six stitches, um, which isn't too shabby considering the amount of blood that came out of my mouth at the time. Um, but, yeah, literally, like, what had happened, there was an exchange. Me and Kyle had come up, and he had punched me right in the mouth. And I knew something was wrong uh, instantly, uh, you know, obviously from the shot. But as far as actual pain, I wasn't was in too much pain. Uh, I just felt a lot of warmth. And then I remember, uh, just based on the fans' reaction, uh, I, I, I could tell that something was up because uh, all of a sudden New York City was completely invested in this match. And then I remember after I super kicked Kyle while he was on his knees, and I collapsed to my back, If you go back and watch the tape, I immediately shoot up to my side because I began choking on my own blood. Um, So so I knew that I was, you know, producing a lot of blood flow at this point. And then I looked down on the mat, and I just saw this puddle beginning to form. And instantly I'm thinking, okay, we have something special here. We definitely have to roll with this. Uh, And, yeah, like I said, the actual injury, you know, it wasn't too bad. Of course, it killed the next day. Um, You can (laughs) get your mouth cut cut open like that. Uh, but yeah, not too bad, not too shabby, and uh, yeah, I, I healed just fine.
2: Which is good because everybody from 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 you know your your comrades at Ring of Honor to to Larry Dallas loves to post about how beautiful Adam Cole is on Twitter. So <laughs> a good thing he had a good good plastic surgeon there. Um, yeah, yeah a frank- good,
3: good beauty scar that
2: I had. <laughs> exactly, chick stick scars. Uh, which, of course, was the night you won your first ROA championship when you defeated Roderick Strong to win the Ring of Honor World Television Championship. What was that TV taping like for you to to walk away with that big victory?
3: Well, you know, it was very big. Um, You know, I was obviously really nervous because we talked a little bit about, um, you know, the Athletic Commission in New York being uh, fairly strict. But if you want to talk about a really strict athletic commission, it doesn't get any tougher than Maryland. Uh, So I I remember walking into that event and, uh, you know, knowing, you know, obviously inevitably what uh, that event entailed for me and thinking, gosh, I just hope I'm cleared to wrestle uh, because I knew how big of a, big of a night it was going to be for me. And fortunately for me, they just put some Vaseline on the, uh, on the stitches and said, yeah, you should be good to go. Uh, So I was very relieved after that had happened. But then, you know, after that, you know, getting in the ring with a guy like Roderick Strong, who I think, uh, even though he's so appreciated by the Ring of Honor fan base, I still think he's probably the most underrated guy in Ring of Honor. Uh, just for the reason of every single time he goes in there with anybody, it's, it's always just such a spectacular matchup. Uh, so for me to go in there with a guy like Roddy and uh, wrestle him and win the TV championship off of him, I knew he was going to do everything in his power to make sure I looked good in the process, and that was exactly what he did. And uh, you know, then to have a company like Ring of Honor say, "Hey," you're going to be our guy, we're going to put stock into you, and we're going to have you as our television championship, or I'm sorry, as our television champion, uh, was a very big moment for me. Um, so certainly I, I think as far as something, I, I hate to use this word, obviously, pun intended, but the honor of uh, being elected as that guy to hold the TV title was was huge. And then the pressure that comes with it, obviously, is very big as well, because not, not only are you a champion now, and as good as that feels, but now you know that every single time you go out there and wrestle, the fans look at you as a champion. So you have to go out and perform like a champion. Um, so, the, you know, the pressure being there, which is a pressure that I was certainly willing to accept, um, you know, me going out and just trying to give the fans no reason whatsoever to think that I don't deserve that belt. And, uh, you know, still in the process of trying to have the most memorable reign that I can with the TV title. But, you know, like I said, definitely something that's very special to me and something that I'll hold uh, very close to me for a long time.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you look at the list of, of, of Ring of Honor World Television Champions, you've got guys like Eddie Edwards and Roderick Strong, who are former World Champions, uh, Christopher Daniels, Jay Lethal, who, you know, Lethal's there now but was in TNA, Daniels is, is competing all the time for TNA, and, and El Generico, who everybody around the world seems to want and, and talk about. Um, and then you've got you on there. I mean, this is, did you look at that as a big stand of approval for you? Like, this is, you know, you know maybe it made you felt a little bit more secure in what you're doing in our
3: I think absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think based off that list that you had just mentioned, uh, and I think Ring of Honor was so smart initially when, when you introduce a new championship, you have to make sure that the, the guys who initially hold it are, are worthy contenders. And, uh, the, the list of guys that have held that belt are not only worthy contenders, they're, um, you know, above and beyond that, that title. Um, so for me, being the first quote unquote young guy to hold the
2: championship,
3: uh, I took as a huge stamp of approval and a, and a huge honor, um, you know, kind of like I had mentioned earlier and something that I take very seriously. Um, so obviously being elected as that guy to hold the TV title was very big and very important. And I knew I had a long list of guys who had held that belt before me who had, who had done great with holding the championship that I had, you know, quite a tough task ahead of me. But Like I said, I felt like it was something I was prepared for and, um, it definitely elevated my career, I believe, to the next step.
2: And I know this next one's going to be difficult to pick between the two, but, but what's bigger? Winning that World Television Championship the way you did against Roderick Strong or, or pinning then ROH World Champion Davy Richards to win the main event at the 10th anniversary show? Like what was bigger for you?
3: Uh, so yeah, exactly what you said. That's so tough. Um, because I feel like pinning Davy was kind of that first step of me taking that next chapter as, as far as um, Ring of Honor looking at me as potentially one day being a main event guy. And then, obviously, me winning the TV title, them actually making that full commitment. Um, they're both so big to me for, for such different reasons. Um, but, I, I, you know, I'm thinking if I had to pick one as far as a moment that meant more to me, and I think, to be honest, meant more to the Ring of Honor fan base, I actually think winning the television championship was the biggest for me. Um, just because, you know, not to say it was a bad thing, but I, th- I think the, uh, the 10-year anniversary main event is as, as big as it was. I think it was still overshadowed by the inevitable matchup between Davy Richards and Kevin Steen. Um, so, like I said, as big as that was as far as being a catalyst for me moving forward on the Ring of Honor roster, I still think that big stamp of me winning the TV title was even bigger. So, if I if I had to pick, if you're uh, you know pressing me against the wall and having me make a decision, I think the TV title was bigger for me.
2: Fair enough, fair enough. So you talked about it, pushing you into the main event and how that solidifies the company, sees you as a main eventer. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll put you on the spot as we kind of so up Ring of Honor here. Uh, are you a future Ring of Honor World Champion? Would you, uh, that belt be around your waist?
3: You know, I believe so. Um, and I think that's the mentality that pretty much everyone in Ring of Honor has. If you're an ROH and your intent is not to one day be the Ring of Honor World Champion, uh, you're kidding yourself. Um, And to be honest, it just doesn't exist. Because I think everyone in that company has that mindset and has that idea of wanting to one day be the guy in Ring of Honor. Um, So certainly, you know, one day that's absolutely a mindset of mine. As of now, I'm very focused on making sure that I have the best television championship reign that I can have. But uh, certainly someday I have my my sights set on, you know, becoming Ring of Honor World Champion someday. And I definitely think that's a feasible task uh, in my future.
4: Now, uh, ROH wasn't the only company where you you had some good things happen to you. Uh, You also had a pretty amazing uh, 2012 over out west in PWG. Uh, On September 2nd, you won the PWG Battle of Los Angeles, and then uh, on December 1st, you won the PWG World Title. Um, Is this icing on the cake, or is it a completely different milestone for you?
3: Yeah, to me, I look at it as two completely different things uh, for, for many different reasons. Obviously, PWG being predominantly a West Coast uh, wrestling organization and it being a completely different independent uh, in and of itself, I think I looked at it as a completely different challenge. Um, you know, and then on top of that, I just, uh, I'm playing such a completely different character. You know, in Ring of Honor, I'm that clean cut baby face and PWG, I'm that dirty scumbag heel. So it's a... Uh, two completely different things for me, which I think is great for me because it, it keeps me on my toes and it keeps things fresh, not only for uh, for myself but for fans who enjoy uh, what I do. I feel like uh, people who check out Ring of Honor shows and people who check out PWG shows, uh, they don't have to worry about me getting stale because I just do two completely different things. Uh, but the interesting thing for me is with the whole PWG thing, is that was uh, such an interesting process for the main reason that initially I wasn't even supposed to be in the Battle of Los Angeles tournament. Um, Initially, it was supposed to be a one-day tournament with 12 guys. And then they changed it last minute uh, to 16 guys in two days. So they asked me if I wanted to be in the tournament. And uh, I was predominantly a tag team wrestler at this point. But uh, one of the guys had remembered seeing me in C D W as a heel. So uh, he had mentioned the idea of me maybe being heel for PWG because he enjoyed the promos. So long story short, man, I just ended up cutting this heel promo that they really dug. And just because of that promo, they decided they wanted me to go all the way and win this tournament. Um, so it's crazy to think that a promo that I filmed in my basement <laughs> happened to be the why I'm the Battle of Los Angeles champion and the PWG world champion just because of a promo that I cut. Um, so, yeah, but like I said, it's something I'm equally as proud of, something that means just as much to me as, as winning the Ring of Honor television championship and something that I'm very focused on. So, uh, yeah, very big deal to me.
4: Now, now you brought this up as you talked about the, the distinct um, difference your character in PWG is versus your character in ROH. Do you have a preference uh, of, of the role you like to play, or, or or do you feel they're pretty balanced?
3: Yeah, you know, if you were to ask me two years ago, uh, you know, what I prefer, I 100% would have said I prefer the heel role that I play, uh, just because from the gate, uh for whatever reason me being a heel always just came so much more natural and so much easier for me um to you know whether I was in CDW or uh you know multiple Maryland um independent wrestling organizations where I was a a heel character as well. Um that just always came much more natural to me. And you know being a babyface was always kind of a struggle, but Ring of Honor taught me how to be a babyface. Uh so because of that I feel now very comfortable as a babyface and uh I really enjoyed both roles actually just as much. Uh, so if you were to ask me, what do I enjoy more as far as being a babyface or a heel? They're actually about equal for me, uh, you know, as of now, just because I feel like I've gained that comfort getting to do uh, do this babyface character in Ring of Honor.
4: I want to talk a little bit about the PWG fans too, um, because a lot of people know that they're it's, they're a very unique bunch of people. Uh, how have they treated you since you've entered the promotion?
3: Uh, the PWG fans, and I think this is, uh, I hate to speak for people, but I feel like this is pretty much a unanimous uh, vote by pretty much everyone in the locker room. They're literally the best fans in pro wrestling. Uh, you know, I've I wrestled in Japan. I've wrestled in Europe. I've wrestled in Mexico. I've wrestled all over the United States for pretty much every independent wrestling organization that you can name. And uh, the, the PWG wrestling fans are just the absolute best. Um, they're just as much a part of the show as the wrestlers are. And uh, they're make or break as far as whether or not a match is uh, you know, good or whether or not a match is great um, because they're just so invested and they're so involved. They're fans of being wrestling fans, which to me is just the coolest thing ever. Um, so, yeah, the, the I think the fans is just as much a part of why PWG is so successful because they're just the rowdiest bunch ever. And, uh, you know, if you were to try to once again recreate something like that, it's just so organic and so raw that it would just be impossible to do so. Uh, so I, I really feel like that's why PWG has something so special and probably why they'll never move from that building in Reseda, California. Just because they found just such a great batch of, you know, passionate wrestling fans that come month after month to, to, uh, support this wrestling company. Um so yeah, they're, they're literally the best fans in the world. I have nothing but amazing things to say about them.
2: So you return to PWG for the annual DDT4 tournament, uh, of course Saturday, uh, January 12th at 8pm at the, uh, receipt building you were talking about, the American Legion Post, number 308, and, uh, and listeners can of course get more information and purchase tickets at com For the tournament, you're, you're reuniting with the guy we talked about earlier, your future, uh, your future shot tag team partner Kyle O'Reilly. Tell everyone why you guys are getting back together for this.
3: Yeah, you know, to be honest with me, it's a matter of, uh, you know, I won the Battle of Los Angeles tournament. You know, I'm the current reigning and defending pro wrestling guerrilla world champion. And, uh, I knew that DDT4 was coming up. And, uh, you know, the idea, obviously, of me finding a partner to, uh, become a part of DDT4, to me, it was a no-brainer. Even though, uh, me and Kyle O'Reilly have had our, um, had our issues in Ring of Honor. There's no guy that I trust more in that ring than Kyle, just based on the years that we've, uh, tagged up together. Um so for me, if I get to win this tournament, I I feel like I've won everything that PwG has to offer. And you know, and then eventually potentially going on to win the PWG World Tag Team Championships would be just as sweet. Um because even though Kyle's a guy that in certain circumstances I would just love to rip his face off, uh there are other circumstances where I feel like there's no one I'd rather have by my side. Uh so like I said, to me this was just a no brainer as far as picking Kyle O'Reilly as my tag team partner. And I really feel like we're going to win this whole thing. So DDT4 this weekend is going to be very big for us.
2: And it's going to start off very big, too, because you guys have one hell of a first-round match uh, against the Dojo Brothers with Eddie, Eddie Edwards and Roderick Strong. That's a hell of a tough draw for you guys, don't you think?
3: sure is. You know, I, I know uh, Eddie Edwards and Roderick Strong very, very well. And as a matter of fact, some people have said that this first round matchup is the most important because they feel that whoever wins this first round matchup is going to be the team that goes on to win the entire tournament. Um, so, yeah, certainly we, uh, we're, we're walking right into fire with this one. But uh, it's, it's something that we're prepared for. I, I know Eddie Edwards and Roderick Strong are prepared for it as well. But uh, I think me and Kyle O'Reilly just have the edge up on uh, on this matchup come Saturday.
2: So so if you and Kyle win, what's left what to prove in PWG? It almost would feel like you kind of mastered the whole promotion in less than six months.
3: Well, you know, I think after that it would obviously be the, the idea of eventually going after the PWG World Tag Team Champion uh, and then eventually becoming a double champion in PWG. And then, of course... Like I requested earlier in a promo that I cut for DDT, for where I, I instantly demand an in-ring celebration as me being the greatest PWG World Champion of all time. So uh, after that happens, that's certainly something that I expect and something that I think all the fans will enjoy as well. Eight, seven.
6: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
4: Adam, in this in this day and age of iPay-per-view events, bus trips, promotion sharing, venues for double headers and extra shows, and everyone's sort of trying to get a leg up on the competition, PWG seems to keep it pretty simple. Uh, They only sell reserved tickets for the first row. They only sell DVDs. They don't focus heavily on more than one or two storylines. Do you think this simplistic nature is what sets them apart? I
3: think 100%. I think the biggest problem in some cases with certain wrestling promotions is uh, they move a little bit too fast too quickly. Uh, and what I mean by this is, um, they, you know, certain wrestling companies get a little bit of buzz about them and they try to move forward a little bit too quick and maybe they try to run different venues instead of worrying about selling out that one venue that they run every month. Um, so PWG has just done such a fantastic job of uh being so different, which is what in this day and age I think all wrestling promotions and wrestlers themselves need is just to kind of be different and stand out from the pack. And uh, like I said, PWG has continued to run this one market and dominate this one market so well that so many people are saying, well, why don't you branch out? Why don't you become something more? And I don't think it's a matter of them not wanting to grow. I think it's a matter of them realizing what they're up against and realizing the potential and what could go on if they do jump into things too quickly. I think right now they're just scratching the surface of what they could become, but they're not jumping into it too quick. You know, patience is so important. And um, like I said, I I feel like PWG is hotter than it's ever been before. And it will continue to be that as long as the fans keep coming. Um, So, yeah, certainly I think this is what, you know, sets PWG apart from everybody else. And uh, I think if they continue to run with this formula and this format, the promotion will just continue to grow like, uh, like it always has.
2: And and I want to, before we kind of kind of sum things up with PWG, I want to shift gears real quick because we've had some conversation over the past few days. Our show is is a huge uh, supporter of the the ECWA Super 8, which is coming up here in the next few months. And and I know you've competed in that tournament before. Tell us a little bit about what what it meant for you to be a part of the Super 8, compete in that event, and and do the things that you did while you were there, and, and what that means for a lot of young indie wrestlers, which you were when you competed in that show. Sure.
3: Uh, You know, I've said this before multiple times, and I really mean it, and I have no problem bringing it up again because it's just something I'm so passionate about. But uh, the Super 8 was so, so huge for me that I can't even put it into words. Uh, You know, ECWA is one of the longest-running independent wrestling organizations uh, in the United States, and uh, the Super 8 is one of the most respected wrestling tournaments, uh, once again, in the entire United States. So for me, for a young guy like me being thrown into the fire of uh, the ECWA Super 8 tournament, I realized how big it was for me, and I I realized that a tournament like this was so crucial for my growth and my development. Um, So for me, like I said, as a young guy just starting out with all the magazine uh, exposure that I got, with the quality of opponents I got to get in the ring with, um, with uh, the fans that came out to support it, everything about that entire tournament was just so fantastic. And I really felt it was such a, such a big part as far as the jump, uh, that I had in my independent wrestling career at that time. Um, so any fans that get to go out and check out the Super 8, you'll never be disappointed because it always, is, they always bring it. But as a matter of fact, when he goes out to an ECWA event, um, you know, the, the events are just so, so fantastic. It's something that I was so privileged and so pumped to be a part of for the little bit that I got to be a part of it. Anytime I get to go back and return, I always love to wrestle for ECWA. Um, so, yeah, definitely uh, the Super 8 was very, very big for me. And uh, it's a tournament I'd like to win someday, to be honest. So, uh, hopefully, I'll get to get uh, re entered into the Super 8 someday.
2: Yeah, let's hope. I know Joe's in always listening, so, Joe, there you go. Adam Cole wants back in. You also had a, a, a very underrated match by the Internet fans, by whatever you want to call them, this year in in, in the ECWA with the then ECWA champion, the Greek god Papadon, who we have a good relationship with and will actually be on later in the show. Um, That match, I mean, damn near 30 minutes long, a hell of a match. Talk about that a little bit because I don't think – do you think that match gets the credit that it deserves? Oh,
3: absolutely not. You know, and I I think it's one of those circumstances, again, uh, just because – especially now. It's almost like television. There's just uh, there's so much good stuff on television now that everyone can't watch everything. And I think it's the same thing with independent wrestling, especially in the Northeast. Uh, excuse me. There's just uh, there's so much good independent wrestling in the Northeast that it's hard to catch everything. So that match obviously gets passed over quite a bit um, because, like I said, there's just so much going on. But uh Papadon at the point, man, he was just uh just the reigning and dominant and defending ECWA heavyweight champion he was a guy that was just on a roll. Um so for me to get in there with him on that role that he was on was so awesome. You know, we knew that potentially we could create something really special. And uh you want to talk about underrated, you know, Papadon's another guy who's so underrated and he's gonna be a guy who's gonna be on everyone's television sets very, very soon, uh, because it's very deserved. Um but yeah that that match to me certainly is one that um that I hold very close to me uh just because it's one that I'm very proud of and uh definitely, as far as if people want to check out e c w a and see what it's all about, definitely check out that match with myself and Papa Don because I think it's something that hopefully a lot of wrestling fans will really enjoy.
2: Yeah, it's out there. It's on YouTube, and people can definitely see it. Of course, all the stuff you do in Ring of Honor, and they can head to net to find that. And, of course, this Saturday, uh, you got the, the PWG DDT4 Tournament, a huge part of the promotion at this point, as you are as well. And they can go to prowrestlingguerrilla.com for more information there. Tickets, they can see the first-round pairings. It's a hell of a field, probably the best field they've had so far, and that's saying a lot given the talent they've had in there, too. So go to com. check that out. And, Adam, if our listeners right now are wondering maybe where they can find you on the Internet, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you prefer, where can they find you online?
3: Sure. Well, I have a website, actually, run by this guy, Daniel Mitchell. He lives over in England. He's done just a fantastic job with my website. It has, a, you know, my schedule. It has a little store section with T-shirts, DVDs, and pictures Pretty much anything as far as keeping up to date with me and what's going on with me. That's uh, www.adamcolepro.com. And then as far as Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter, at Adam Cole Pro. My Facebook is full, but you can still subscribe to me if you look for Adam Cole. And I also have a little YouTube channel as well uh, that has, you know, promos and music videos and uh, clips of matches and things like that. It's a cool little YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Pro. So you can check all that stuff out there.
2: Excellent. Well, Adam, we really do appreciate you coming on the show all the time that you spent with us here for the second time. uh, We we hope 2013 does turn out to just blow 2012 away in terms of your success, and we're 100% confident that it will. And hopefully we can bring you back in the future and maybe talk about the fact that you're hoisting the, uh, the Ring of Honor World Championship above your head now.
3: Absolutely. I certainly hope so, guys. It was a pleasure to be on.
0: A little less conversation, a little more action, please. All this aggravation ain't satisfaction in me. A little more bite, a little less bark. A little less fight, a little more spark. Close your mouth and open up your heart. And, baby, satisfy me. Satisfy me, baby.
2: TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.